What's up, everybody? Welcome to Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. All right. I'm Akina McGee. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter, at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow me, Sydney Brown, a.k.a. Sid the Kid, on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80 for both Twitter and Instagram. And also, we want to take this time this is Juneteenth weekend, 2020, to say happy Juneteenth to everybody that's listening and watching us via Zoom, via Zoom. So we're we're commemorating this holiday, and we're going to we're going to <laughs> this life, folks. I'm sorry, so I just got a, a breaking news here. So we're 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 going to Cam, Cameron Smith, who was supposed to be on with us uh, this hour, when I'm jo- joining us today. We'll 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 reschedule him. But down the road, so he had a, um, something behind the scenes to take care of. So we're carry on from there. That's so, okay. we, you know, let's take it away. Let's start into some NBA. We know last week that the players had a, a, a call, a virtual a Zoom call last week. LeBron James had a, a call with a, a group of his friends and players. Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets had a call with a, a few of his guys. And it seems like to me, reading and hearing stuff that, um, the players uh, that were on the call with LeBron, they were concerned about the uh, health concerns and the safety protocols about the ball that they're going to play in Orlando starting on July 31st. And Kyrie Irving said that with, to his guys that uh, it's not the time to play basketball right now because of what's going on with the racial injustice in our country after the effects of the, of the death of, of George Floyd in Minneapolis. So uh, to me, I know Kyrie means well. We all know that he has his own personality. He, he's in his own space. But I think that, you know, if you believe the reports, he's out of line here trying to pick beasts with um, LeBron James. Right now, this is not the time to do that. It's time to be unified. And and I, I, I think he's, he's, yeah, he has the right idea, but I think he's going by the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, let's remember he thinks the earth is flat. We don't forget though those comments he made a few years back. Now yeah, he has since walked back those comments. But I, I feel like, look, I, I understand where you know Kyrie, Kyrie means well. You know he's trying to, you know, feels that maybe that he doesn't want that to you know the the social injustice and everything else that's been happening you know go to fall by the wayside. But at the same time though, I, I think people want escapism. Is that the if, you know if I can turn it that right? I mean. People kind of want to escape from all the news that's been going on mm-hmm. the last last month, last you know couple of months if you count the the COVID pandemic. So, I mean, and let's remember too, he's been hurt most of the year, so that's mm-hmm. that. I think that might be another reason why he probably doesn't want to play again. That's just I'm just you know I'm not saying that he's you know trying to fake it or anything, but I, I feel like there's maybe more to this. And look, Florida just had like some of their like rising, you know, cases of COVID. So they have their own issues to deal with there. So those concerns, I think, I understand Kyrie's concerns, but I think at the same time, I think his, his, his concerns are kind of misconstrued, if you will. Yeah, you can say that to an extent. And of course, uh, the NBA had the rule that uh, no injured players will be allowed to participate in this because they're trying to keep the number of players and coaches to a minimal because of practices social distancing and they don't want any of their players and, and members of their of the of the franchise or the staff to uh, catch the virus so from that standpoint i understand from where, where the leak is coming from if Kyrie is, is upset because of that then so there's some things that you you just have to 
take it with a grain of salt and deal with it. So, and like you said, uh, th this is not the time to do petty stuff and have your own personal agenda. You're supposed to be all, all for one, uh, on one accord, just having your own separate agenda. It's just, it just looks bad. The optics of it just looks very bad. Yeah, Dwight Howard kind of echoes Kyrie's sentiment, but at the same time, though, Dwight Howard wasn't really playing much for the Lakers. So it's sort of like it's kind of all twofold. It's exactly okay. Who's being really genuine that they are, that these concerns are they're just so you know, being petty because you know a they know their team is not really going to contend or they're not haven't really been playing much. So that's why there's you know these reservations. So who knows? I mean, LeBron hasn't really said much. I think he kind of just wants to like like everyone else have their say before he says something. Maybe that's why we haven't heard from Kawhi. Mm -hmm. CP3 is kind of trying to stay neutral here because him and Michelle Roberts have been you know trying to like okay like trying to. You know, be accommodating to some players' concerns, but at the same time, though, I think there's a lot of players that actually want to play. They want to get back out there. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, once they step, how they peel the layers here with all this, because I, I feel like, I feel like maybe, you know, we saw like the, the various divisions and how like all these teams are going to be sorted out in different, in, in different divisions and such. So I wonder how they're going to do this. And it'll be interesting to see how all this is going to play out because I feel like, at this point, with all whatever that's been going on, I think people want to escape. It's not this. This is not going to change. I'm actually with Stephen A here, and you know how I rarely agree with him, but <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually one time where I actually agree with him. Like, listen, none of that's going to change. I mean, you're still going to be fine. You know, there's going to be a lot of racial injustice going on. The COVID's still going to be happening, but I think people want to have a good two, three hours to kind of like step away from it and to kind of enjoy some inter entertainment because. I think people need something to kind of distract. In some cases, I think distraction is a good thing. And I think sports always has been that distraction for people. And people haven't had that these last few months. So, look, like it's, it's, it's great where we're talking about all this stuff that's been going on. But at the same time, though, I think people need to kind of, like, be mindless. Just have, like, some mindless entertainment to kind of, like, just get their, get their like, minds and their psyche sort of right. I kind of agree with you more. It's not like the NBA players won't um... – say something about uh, what's going on right now. We all know, we all know that the, the NBA is a player's league and they're going to find a way to get the word out. Now, our, uh, um, like a few years ago when they wore the shows that I can't breathe, of course, with Derrick Rose while he was still here in Chicago, LeBron James, when he was with Cleveland, he wore the late Kobe Bryant uh, wore the shirt as well, along with several other players uh, about four or five years ago. And so th that's how they got out the word. Uh, they're going to find different ways and, and, and creative uh, measures to get out the word this time. Um, I think it's going to be more just about T-shirts. Uh, you hear about action plans and action task force that's forming right now. So uh, we all know in the news cycle uh, with the protests and, and things along that line, it's not going to dominate the number one story on your local or national news. That's just the way the news business works. But there's still work to be done in forming these task force and doing the work behind these things. That's what it's really about. I, uh, not to say that because you're not putting it on front, it doesn't mean that people behind the scenes are not doing the work. It does not mean that people still do not care. Like you, like you said, like, you know, sports has been uh, the most um, group. How can I find the words to say this? It's been the, most, the, the best and the most entity that has uh, risen from the ashes to help bring people together. And yes, you, and also bring uh, issues uh, to the forefront where normal people won't talk about them. So and that's what protest is all about. 
is bringing awareness to a problem, and then what are you going to do about it afterwards? So with the NBA players getting back on the court, they're not just going to say something about it. They're actually going to uh, do something about it. We all need to do something about it, not just wait for celebrities and entertainers to do stuff for us. So for people to think that when, when uh, the NBA resumes later next month, that the message is going to go away, that, that's just not the case. I think they're going to have more creative ways to get the message out and, and have people help them to um, form this a coalition. But if people think it's just going to disappear into the abyss, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah, and I think that's what – listen, I understand that Kyrie feels as though it's going to disappear. It's not. You know, mm-hmm. listen, all these sports leagues have their own kind of initiatives. MLS just announced that some of their – you know, they're forming a coalition with some of their you know, top black players and they kind of, mm-hmm. you know, start with the diversity. The NHL just, you know, just announced a couple of days ago they're going to do something similar with some of their best you know, black players, Wayne Simmons, P.K. Supon, his brother Malcolm, who, mm-hmm. who plays for the Blackhawks. So, listen, none of this stuff – Look, nothing that's good. Listen, I think this time, I think because of the fact that there has been a lot of distraction with sports, I think people are waking up and realizing what's been happening and what's been going on and what, you know, Juneteenth, you know, today being Juneteenth, you know, what, you mm-hmm. know, still black. And I think to some extent, our, our brown brothers and sisters have been, have been struggling as well. So I think we need to kind of like, okay, listen, this is not going to go away. Okay, yeah, you play, you, you play, you know, basketball or play baseball, hockey football, whatever sport for like the next two, two and a half, three hours. That's not going to, listen, like I said, racial injustice is going to go away. It's still going to be racism. The COVID is still around. I think people just want to kind of get their minds off it and just say, you know, just, you know, just breathe and, you know, be entertained and maybe even have a little bit of a laugh. Yeah. Like you say, getting your mind off of it is one thing. Uh, is one thing. But if you think that this is going to go away, you sadly mistaken. All these issues have been around way before we were born, and it didn't go away. So, of course, in a perfect world, we wish we wouldn't have to deal with these issues, but that's just not the case. We all have to wake up to reality now. Do we, I wish we were talking about uh, games on the field. Yes, but some things are more important than others. And like, like we said before, we're going to get back to the games eventually, but this is not going to go away. It may go away on the national news level as far as being the number one news story. Of course, you're going to talk about the presidential election. You're going to talk about other issues that's going on in our country with the unemployment and things along that line. But racial injustice is still an issue that we all are going to have to fight. And so that's not going to go away anytime soon. Change takes time. If everybody, uh, anybody that knows me personally, that I have a big impatient bone in my body. But I guess since I've gotten old, is is like, you know, some things you just cannot control. If some things are way beyond your control, things doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to have a um, a real good plan and have an extra plan and, and carry these tasks out. So change does take time, but as long as we are working towards that, uh, we should be fine. It's not going to be easy, but uh, we, we should be fine. And with the athletes going back on, on the field to play, it's not going to be forgotten because we all know that the players, in particular basketball players, will find a way to get the message out and express themselves. Yeah, whether it's, you know, T-shirts or armbands or, you know, have something on their – they may have something on their jersey, something like that. We saw that mm-hmm. with the with the kilt over at the – we've seen over in Europe with all their, you know, all their um, leagues, you know, for the Premier League that just came back yeah. a couple of days ago. They had their, you know, Black Lives Matter at the back of their, their kilt, so – and also Bundesliga's been doing it too these last few weeks. They've been around. You saw a couple of players in the PGA, you know, have thinking something on their uh, on their you know, golf bag. So the message is there, and I think it's resonating. I think, I think, like you said, I think 
we need to kind of be a little less patient. I think that's been the problem with our society is that we're so impatient nowadays, especially, yeah. you know, you can get something like you get news like that. You can get like other stuff, you know, just like that. But stuff like this, I mean, it takes time and it takes voting. That's another thing that I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep telling people. So I, I think people just, I think, like I said, I think, I think Kyrie's sentiment is sort of admirable, but I think, like I said, I think it's still kind of misconstrued on his part. So I'm just saying so and it's sort of like the way it's set up is that if you if you don't play you don't get paid so that's another this money is the root of all this here so i think that that's going to be the thing that's going to kind of change some minds whatever whatever however they feel about whatever's been going on yeah i'm just waiting for you to move on to the next topic oh okay <laughs> oh sorry i don't have something else to add but <laughs> no 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 i'm good i'm good I'm okay like bring it to the next topic okay <laughs> live live zoom folks yeah. <laughs> nothing like it <laughs> but uh okay let's talk about the ever-changing ping pong uh with the mlb and the mlb players association because <laughs> the latest uh proposal i think that was just i guess this was rejected was like 70 games and like 90% prorated salaries and such. But then like there's been other proposals like 80 games, you know, that, that we thought that maybe they, they might be, we might be making some inroads here, but it turns out that we're right back where we started. What the heck is going on here, here Sid? <laughs> Didn't I tell you last week on the last podcast that this was going to happen? I know we all <laughs> want baseball to come back, but we had uh, WGN Radio's uh, sports radio anchor and reporter Kevin Powell on in our last podcast. And he said that he, uh, we were, uh, he was expecting a deal to strike. Uh, the news that came out earlier this week, uh, we all, I retweeted Bob Nightingale's tweet about uh, the latest proposal. It sounded like that we we're going to get baseball back if it, uh, uh, immediate, not immediately, but it was going to come back. And I know you tweeted him. You say, oh, it looks like Kevin Powell's right. Uh, hold on, folks. Uh, not yet. It's, all about, it's all about posturing right now. And as I said last week, the reason why I was so pessimistic not to toot my own horn, but this is why, because uh, you, uh, as we've, I've been saying for the last few weeks on this show, you're going back and forth like five-year-old kids. Uh, here's this uh, proposal on the media. Here's a counteraction to that, this and that, back and forth. It's like, for the final time, please handle your business behind closed doors. The, only, the next thing that I want to hear from both sides is that when is the date, how many games, and what's the schedule? That is it. Yep. Other than that, I don't want to hear anything else. Now, the, the other part of, of the proposal that I heard this week, and we've kind of known this for a while as, a, as, as the expanded playoffs. Now, I like the, uh, the couple of teams that's going to get, it looks like it's 10 teams, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. in both leagues, uh, yep. uh, uh, if my math is correct. Yep. Uh, uh, how, how, for this year, how are you going to do that when you have 75 games or 80 games? It's going to be a sprint, not a marathon, to see who's going to make the playoffs. But if you have 65 or 50 games, uh, it's really going to be a mess. But at least 75, 80 games is doable. But I know that some folks say that they should end their season, the regular season, by the end of September in the fear of, of the way for the second uh, wave of coronavirus, heaven forbid if that happens, but uh, it, it's going to be a, a fight to the finish should the season uh, resume because if you get off to a bad start, that means your season is over, even though you have a couple of teams 
from each league added to uh, added to each league before these uh, expanded playoffs, uh, you can't afford to get off to a good start. So it's going to be uh, uh, interesting to see, hopefully, when these teams get back on the field, who's going to get off to the hot start, who's going to sustain it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, with the 162, if you have, like, a bad, like, a like an 8, 10-game losing streak, you can kind of, like, you can get yourself back up. With this, you know, like you said, since it's going to be a sprint. You can't afford to have a bad start. So, and also, like, the adding of the playoff teams, I mean, to have 10, I mean, how are they going to break this down? Are it going to be, like, best of three? The first two rounds going to be best of three, and then the rest are going to be best of seven? Or maybe have a best of five, one best of three, maybe one best of five, and then the rest be a best of seven. So I don't know. I mean, if you're trying to avoid the, the second wave, we keep hearing that there's going to be a second mm-hmm. wave of this in the fall. I'm, I'm wondering, like, okay, how are you going to do that? Too? Are you going to try to get done maybe before November? Because, you know, God forbid, there is a second wave. So that's going to be interesting, too. Are you going to make try to make the season longer? Or are you trying to okay the shortened season? I mean that that's sort of like a thing that's gonna think they're gonna have to figure out. And uh, listen, they had a productive meeting earlier this week, Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, who's the president of the, the player association. But can we kind of like keep it like behind closed doors, like you said? I mean, <laughs> all this stuff going around. You guys are acting like a bunch of grammar school kids. I mean, like I, I when I was in grammar school, I had to call a class. They used to do that stuff. You know, thankfully, Twitter wasn't around then, but they kind of mm-hmm. did the same thing here. So I mean, can we? Can we at least get some? Can we at least get something done? Because it, you've got a deadline here, and it's fast approaching. If you don't get something done by this time next month, you can might as well just forget it. If you're talking about doing like a three-week uh, spring training, you got to try and get start. No, you, you're you're running out of time. Yeah, as we said before, you're gonna uh, go into the abyss uh, with the other two leagues in the ML, uh, NBA, sorry, in the NHL starting uh, late next month. Uh, you're going to be forgotten about. And don't forget the NFL starts their training camp around that time uh, next month as well. So if you don't have a 2020 season, people are going to forget about you. Yes, you're going to have your hardcore fans that's going to wait until next year when they can uh, attend games and they can watch baseball. But this could get ugly in a hurry. And as, as we said before, baseball cannot afford to keep up with this bad PR and this posturing uh, going on in front of the cameras. It's just bad options so hopefully they can take care of business hopefully we have, we'll have some news to report next week hopefully even yeah hopefully even sooner than that because it, it, it mm-hmm. you know listen tiktok i mean it, it's like like we've been saying i mean you only got like maybe a few more weeks before you might as well go ahead and just cancel it the season i look i don't know what's gonna happen i mean you thought maybe it was close then it turns out that we're not even close and we're right back to where we started so mm-hmm. i don't know what to say it's just it's just too crazy all right, so a, little, a couple more times before we take our break and we'll be joined by ABC7 Chicago sports reporter anchor Dion Miller. Um, the NFL, um, Jamal Adams, there have been some infighting. We've been talking about you know, some, of these, some of these weeks since we started doing this now, where it is that he actually has asked the Jets for a trade. Um, what do you think, Sid? I mean, <laughs> listen, he's one of the top uh, defensive uh, players in the league. I I think he probably wants to go to a contender. I think I saw like the Ravens and the Cowboys are just a couple of teams that he would consider okay to trade to. So what do you think about this Jamal Adams saga? <laughs> uh, he's just using his powers to see if he can get what he wants. I know he has two years remaining on his contract, including this upcoming season. And I know some people wanted the best to draft him a few years ago. He was the mm-hmm. part they think draft class with uh, 
quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. But with that being said, I was listening to some New York sports radio over the last couple of days. And I know they've been talking about uh, he has the right to do that, but, you know, the Jets have other priorities right now. They're trying to rebuild to see if they can catch an uh, AFC East title. Now with no longer Tom Brady being in New England. So the only team that you had to contend with is the Buffalo Bills, at least on paper, because they have uh, the team uh, to – they'll be the front runners to win, uh, to, to win the AFC East division with quarterback Josh Allen, now new wide right receiver Stephon Diggs from the Vikings. But with Jamal Adams, as you said, Kenny, he's one of the best young safeties in the league. And the Jets, they got, still have to find out, is Le'Veon Bell going to be their running back uh, moving forward? You know, he's up there in age now. Is Sam Darnold going to be their franchise quarterback? And if so, you have to pay him. They had to re- still rebuild their defense. So uh, uh, I can understand uh, um, Jamal wants to cash in his chips early, but sometimes you have to wait. And I know people don't want to hear this. I, they, I think this would be the word of the day looking for this <laughs> podcast for this tweet, patience. Yep. Patience, <laughs> because today's show is brought you by the word patience, just like Sesame Street. But, you know, he's going to have to wait. I'm not saying he doesn't have the right to ask for his money. He does, but he's still two years away from – uh, from his contract expiring. We all know in the NFL, only 30% of your salary is guaranteed. So I understand with all the injuries and the safety concern, the injury issues, get all your guaranteed money as, as much of it as you can. But uh, I, I don't know if, if the Jets will have enough to trade, uh, to get fair value for him. What's he really worth on the open market? Maybe uh, as high as a second round pick? I'm, I'm sure in some people's mind he may be worth, worth uh, enough one pay, but I don't think so. But maybe as high as maybe, maybe number two at best. So, I, 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 you know, if you're a Jets fan, hopefully this issue gets resolved quickly. Hopefully Jamal, uh, Jamal Adams and people around him to tell him that, hey, you'll get your money. Just, you just have to be patient, focus in on this 2020 season, see if you can get the Jets into the playoffs, and then we'll talk from there. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting because of, like you said, Sid, I mean, I know he wants his money. I've seen some of the interview. I've seen some of his his, uh, social media posts saying that he wants his cash now, and I don't blame him. But at the same time, look, you you signed a contract. You're still in your rookie deal. You still got a couple of years left in that that rookie deal. So, unfortunately, you know, you're you're, kind of stuck. I mean – you're not going to – the Jets, I'm sure they know that they're not going to get get equal or high value for him. I mean, like you said, he may be a second-rounder at most. I mean, mm-hmm. I probably think they get the, the third-rounder. So, And I don't think a lot of these other – these teams are going to be con- – that are contending that, you know, that he wants to go to are going to want to bite right now. So I think, look, you've got to – listen, the AFC East is wide open. you got your shot to go to the playoffs. I think you should just go ahead, just play out the rest of the contract. And then maybe, maybe at the end of the season, maybe you can revisit something. Maybe whether you want to do a contract extension or whether you do, they do pick up your contract. But I think he's going to have to wait, like you said, patience. But I guess that's like you said, <laughs> there's a theme here to the show today. Uh, said uh, patience, and unfortunately, we haven't been seeing a lot of it. So it'll be very interesting with Jamal because I, I think listen, he's like, like we've been saying, he's one of the top secondary guys in the league. And I think anybody can use an extra safety, but I think right now he's not, the Jets are not going to get like equal value for him. So if they put him on the market now, so I just don't think, think that's going to happen. Here's the thing. If you're the New York Jets organization, just like all the other teams in the national football league, the salary cap is, is, is kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to, 
tie up all your money into two, into two to three or maybe possibly four guys because you're going to have to cut some other important guys as well that helps because let's be honest here, uh, is football is truly a team sport. One guy can carry you for so long, i.e. as Aaron Rodgers up there at Green Bay before your mm-hmm. time runs out and you get up there and age and injury. But you don't want to tie all your uh, your majority of your cap space into two to three players because you're going to get in trouble in all the other parts that you need to fill. You won't be able to fill them because uh, you, you tied up your your main players, your main superstars into these big mega contracts and it enables you to go out and make those important moves. So if you're the Jets, uh, you're doing this smart-wise and business-wise, not not to give Jamal Adams all that money yet. Like I said before, you still got to see uh, if Sam Dow is your franchise quarterback. You got to see if you're going to get your number one wide receiver and you still have to rebuild that defense. So uh, Jamal Adams will just have to wait. You know, hopefully he has a great 2020. If he does, he has more leverage come this time next year, assuming that he doesn't get traded between now and opening day. Yeah, it's going to be – yeah, I think those – I'm sure going to be – I think there's going to be fielding calls from a lot of these teams, especially the ones he wants to go to. I don't like I said the the value. I don't think they're going to get, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see within the next few weeks before they start before these teams start training camp. Are they going to be able to move them? Well, that'll be interesting. All right. So Colin Kaepernick, that's another name that's being floated around these last few weeks with all everything that's been going on. Now, Roger Goodell has said in an interview that he wants teams. He's encouraging teams to look at the thirty-two-year-old. Um, QB, um, the Chargers, Anthony Lynn, who's the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, said that they would be interested in looking at him. Yeah, Pete Carroll said that they should, they, he regretted not signing him. Of course, that actually ended up working out for them you know, with Russell Wilson. But what do you think about, the, about all these comments that we got that's been coming out this week? If Colin Kaepernick comes back to play in the NFL, good for him. As I said before on our last podcast, it, uh, does he really want to play, even though he took money from the NFL in that in that uh, settlement from the lawsuit a couple of years ago? Uh-oh. His services, but I I just hope that whoever picks him up, the uh, they they use him in the right way. Most likely he's going to be a backup. I just hope, but it's not posturing. It's not. Or we quote unquote owe him a favor. Hopefully, he's being treated fairly and uh, and and be used in a proper way. Wherever team picks him up, like you mentioned, Lakina, I know that the LA Chargers are. They said they were interested in working him out. That's one of the teams that can use him right now. Let's be honest here, Arizona can use a backup. I know Kyler Murray is their their young franchise quarterback for Arizona, but Kyler Kaepernick could be used as a, a good backup there with the system that they run. Like you mentioned, Seattle Pete Carroll, he was this close to picking him up a couple of years ago, of course. He was uh, override by management. It's like, oh, we don't want to deal with the quote-unquote distraction. So uh, Colin Kaepernick has a, a few uh, options out there if, if he wants to come back. But I'm just waiting to see how this all, all plays out. Well, I think that's the thing. Does he want to come back? I mean, he got this. Like mm-hmm. I said, he got that $20 million settlement. And mm-hmm. there's like a lot of legalities that they can't like neither side can say anything about, you know, anything else has been happening. So it, like, he, like I've been saying, he's 32, so he may not want to come back. So does he have anything left in the tank for him to come back? I mean, he had already lost his job before all this started. So 
that's the thing that people want people are not people are are that's not you know comprehending to people but it, look, it's interesting. Like I said, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure there are going to be teams that are going to want it. They're going to need a a quarterback, you know, especially a backup. So, like I've been saying, I mean, if he wants to come back, let's not let's not make a service about it. Have a have private workouts. Don't you know? Don't like play the media, and you know neither side. So I think if that if that's the case, then okay, fine. If you want to come back, fine. I think he needs to kind of say that okay i want to come back if not mm-hmm. you know let's just end all of this and just you know we can all move on yeah exactly just hopefully it works out fairly for Kaepernick if he decides to come back like i said hopefully he's not using it as a quote-unquote token symbol it's just hopefully he's just, just if he comes back hopefully he gets a he gets a fair opportunity to compete for a spot on the roster and not just um brought there for a, a dog and pony show if he decides to uh give the nfl one more try like I said, we'll see. I mean, all listen, all this is gonna. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I think he. I think he needs to put out a statement too, saying that okay, I want to come back, or I want to mm-hmm. listen. I'm listen. I'm doing what I'm doing now, being kind of like a philanthropist and and you know, social media like an activist and such. So I, I think listen. I think he needs to kind of, you know, sort of put out a statement saying that that'll, which will probably like I guess put an end to all this. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, let's see what else is in the headlines. Uh, uh, a lot of um, a lot of the calls, a lot of the, like Confederate statues are being torn down or they're being you know renamed, which is another another um, debate that's been going on all these years. Is the Washington football team? Um, there's this you know enough another sort of rise of of, um, of, of, well, let's just say like where everything's been going on, there's this sort of calls for the Washington NFL team to change their name. What do you think? I know we, we don't, we don't call them by that name cause we think it's, you know, <laughs> racist, right. but I think people need to also remember too, that there's some money going on between them and the tribe, much like also the same thing with Florida state and the Seminoles. So it's a little more complicated than that. So what do you think about these renewed calls to kind of change the nickname? Hey, they're riding the wave of momentum right now with the, the Black Lives Matter movement at an all-time high, moving to a positive direction. Uh, most of these uh, college teams as well, along with a few of these pro teams that should get on board, that um, uh, honoring people who represented the negative part of our history and being heralded as heroes is not tolerated. Uh, you see, uh, in um, I think it's the University of Mississippi, they're trying to change yep. the state flag. If they don't remove the state flag, uh, there will be no college sports. And as you mentioned, like, you know, Florida State as well. Clemson wanted the statute to be removed. I don't know if that's been removed yet, but I know students and former athletes of that school were, were uh, had rallies yep. there for the last week and a half or so. So I... You know, uh, this is also a business move as well because they want people to uh, to attend the games and watch their team. So let's be honest here. If they were in good faith of removing these statues now it, while we are in this time period, why didn't you remove them a long time ago? That's been my question. Uh, I'm glad you're doing it now, but if you are, quote, unquote, doing it in good faith, why didn't you do this a long time ago? Same thing with NASCAR cars. I'm glad they removed the Confederate flag, but it had to take a murder to do this and an outrage and a protest to do this. I'm glad you did, but why didn't you do this a long time ago? 
uh, that's the question that's been popping in my head for this past week. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I, I think of it as if that maybe you look at all the things that's been happening that are trying to change. I mean, Texas is not doing their Texas fight. Well, not, well, part of the Texas fight that has like a lot of racial like undertones and some of the lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, the eyes of Texas. So that you, you, I'm sure mm-hmm. those are all of you have probably heard of like every football, basketball, track meet, what have you. Um, and then you had like, like you said, the Clemson had like, like one of their, one of their like prominent statues is named after a slave owner. Um, and then you have all those statues and such. And look, I mean, I've always been sort of a person that's sort of like, listen, I want more nuance. I want like people to have conversations about this stuff. I think that mm-hmm. now, well, especially they'll look at Mike Gundy over at Oklahoma State. I mean, he's been in a lot of trouble <laughs> this week. He's been kind of yeah. like, you know, and, and to think a couple of years ago, the mullet was most was the worst of his problems. And then like he had, um, I forgot, uh, he, he, he also showed now he, he played for the Colorado uh, football team. He said that Gundy said the N word to him and some of his teammates, you know, years ago when they were mm-hmm. in college. So that's becoming brought up as well. Look, I mean, I've always been someone that, that feels that a person can grow and change. And if you listen, that's always been sort of my thing. And especially with NASCAR, I remember Dale Earnhardt Jr. said a couple of years ago that he wanted to remove the flag. No one listened to him at the time. I've, I said the last couple of weeks, nobody wanted to listen to him at the time. And this is mm-hmm. like a prominent figure, or probably one of the most popular drivers in NASCAR. They didn't listen to right, him. His dad was a legend too in that sport. Yeah, exactly. So I, 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 think his, I think his dad had said some things about it too, because I think like Wendell Scott, who was one of the first black NASCAR drivers, was a mm-hmm. really good friend of his. Um, but yeah, I mean, so all this other stuff has been happening. I mean, listen, I always feel like, okay, I think talking, having conversations, not canceling people just because they don't agree with your, <laughs> they make statements that you don't agree with. I think, look, I think we need conversations. We need to have more nuance. Like people can grow and change. And look, look at Drew Brees and his, his wife, Brittany. I mean, look, this is a total 180 they, they've, they've, they've had. I mean, look, I think for me, I think that having those conversations you know having people listen and say look this is why this person who you're named a statue after was not a very good person in history why the flag is not a good look for the united states this is not the united states you know the confederacy is not a good part of american history yes it is a part of it but it shouldn't be a there's a reason why it's not prominent anymore in other places besides the south having those conversations you know people being nuanced having people willing to listen I think, listen, I think it, it, I think like, like we've been saying, said patience. And I think, you know, people <laughs> being more vocal about that. Listen, this is not, this is not the type of person that you want to name a statue for, you know, name it after your top ass, some of your top ass or people in history, you know, Har- the Harriet Tubman or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of like the thing that I think that's what people need to remember about this type of stuff. But that's just my opinion, but. Yeah, we all should learn our history. Lakina, both the good and the bad, is easy to try to erase history, especially that uh, that's uh, that, that's all uh, the events there was horrible and tragic and hor- horrific, like the Holocaust, which people try to erase from history. You can't do that. Uh, us as uh, African Americans, uh, with with slavery and Jim Crow, uh, those are we had uh, great history opposite of that as well. But the hor- horrific stuff. You cannot erase. It must be talked about as well because that's what happened. But like we like we've been saying for the last few weeks, listen, listen to everything, even the bad. Not just what you want to hear, but you got to listen to everything. And once you listen to everything, 
you know, you'll become a better person, whether you agree with that person or not, listen to everything. It may change your perspective on whatever subject or subject that you're talking about, but you have to listen to everything and gather all the information from all sides. And so you'll have a, uh, uh, even if you have the same perspective or a different perspective, just listen to everything and with all information, uh, you'll become a better person. If it changes your opinion on certain issues, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Just listen to everything, not just what you want to hear. Like I, yeah, like, like I've been saying, I mean, it's easy to cancel folks just because you don't agree with that person. Oh, well, that person mm-hmm. canceled. I mean, this cancel culture has gone out of control, I've been saying, the last couple of weeks. I mean, I agree. I mean, listen, just listen. If, if people, okay, yeah, I mean, tell, explain to them why this is bad. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. listen, I don't want people to, listen, I think people are afraid to, you know, talk about like stuff like Juneteenth. Or, you know, like you said, Holocaust and Jim Crow and slavery. I mean, you, you can't do that. I mean, you, you can't look at the world through rose-colored glasses. You have to, like you said, you have to remember mm-hmm. the, the horrific and the, the horrific parts and the bad parts of the history. That's just how it is. You can't just say, oh, well, that, to say, to not teach is pretend that didn't, that didn't happen. And you can't do that. All right. So anything else you want to delve into before we Real take quick our- on the holiday of Juneteenth. I'll Go be- ahead. Yeah, just real quick on the on the holiday of Juneteenth. I didn't know anything about it till shout out to uh, this is not an advertisement, but shout out <laughs> to uh, the local radio, the only black owned radio station here in Chicago, WVON AM sixteen ninety here in Chicago. I didn't know anything about Juneteenth. So I started listening to that station. They had uh, various uh, programs. They had various segments about it. And of course, we all know about the history of the the Civil War and Reconstruction. Of course, Jim Crow. They came after that. Uh, it's like it's been 400, 500 years ago to that extent, but I didn't know anything about Juneteenth until I started listening to that station and I started doing my research a little bit more. I said, oh, okay, I didn't know this existed because what's being taught, I know this is a whole other subject for a whole other show, but what's being uh, placed in our textbooks in other forms of information, other forms of books, you don't get the whole history. You only get bits and pieces of it. You don't get the whole story. And, and, and that's a, a big problem because I didn't know anything about Juneteenth, not through grade school, not through high school, and definitely not through college. So uh, we had to do more and put more information, the correct information in our textbooks. And, just, and especially now, with the, not just with the internet, with social media, getting the correct information out to people. Yeah, I actually learned about it in grammar school. I had like, I had like one of those um, uh, history teachers that would say, listen, I'm going to teach you some stuff that's not in the book. I had one of those teachers, so I was fortunate. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, she's Miss Durham, who I like, I'm, I'm sure she's still living. I haven't talked to her in years, but she was the one that taught us about a lot of the stuff that wasn't in our history books. So I, I think that's another thing that I think people at schools need to do a better job of the curriculum and teaching mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff because. It, I mean, it happened in history, and I think, like you said, Sid, I mean, with the internet, you know, a lot of it, they get a lot of it wrong, unfortunately, so I think if people need to kind of, like, okay, let, let's take a step back and see, like, okay, what, what's history, you know, okay, well, if, okay, if something horrific that happens in the part, okay, fine, we'll have to teach that, too, so, but I think having the conversation and letting people learn about what's, what, what goes on in, in the world history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Also, too, parents help help and step up and, and teach your kids uh, uh, these uh, I- events as well, the good and the bad as well. Of course, hold the schools accountable, but you have a responsibility at home to teach your kids as well. Don't just don't just rely on the school system to do everything for you. You're you're part of the process as well, and teach your kids about 
uh, your their history and, and events like this, like Juneteenth, that doesn't get t- talked about much in the mainstream. The PTA, I think the PTA, I think that the, the, the meaning of the PTA has been lost these last few years and because mm-hmm. no one's communicating. So if you want to be a part of that, you know, help, listen, that's a big part of the, of the curriculum too. If you're, if you're a parent and you have a kid in school, you want this stuff like this to be taught, you got to speak up. I mean, if people will give you the dirty look, okay, fine, I'll just teach it. I'll just go to another school system that'll be, that will teach my kid that kind of thing. So that's another thing that people need to remember as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll be joined by ABC7 Chicago sports anchor and reporter Dion Miller. She'll talk Bear. She'll talk uh, NBA. I'm sure she'll have a lot of things to say about some of those or two that we talked about as well. So we'll be right back. Second season sports, Zoom style. Zoom style. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. All right. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee, I am Cindy Brown. And joining us for our second segment today is the queen of ABC7 Sports. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's true. I've been knowing her for the last few years. We're not going to date ourselves. So in working with the D and Davis show, it was finally getting a chance to meet her face to face via Zoom. She's the only, the only Dion Miller from. ABC7 Chicago Sports. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at DMillerABC7. Once again, at DMillerABC7. Dion, how are you doing today? I am doing quite well, actually. It's the first day of summer vacation for my children. No e-learning, no homework. (laughs) And my son has graciously called it a yes day. So do you want to watch TV? Yes. Do you want to sit in your pajamas? Yes. Like these are the days. This is the one day they get. And then next week we'll probably try to get a routine. But it is a lovely day for the first day of summer break. I could not be more thrilled. I yeah, only, we'll give you an applause for that Yeah, one. <laughs> I can only imagine what the parent, you guys, all your parents are going through. I'm just going to tell you guys, I was not meant to be a homeschool teacher. Like that is not my calling. I... <laughs> that is not my forte so i'm very glad that e-learning is done at least for a few months yeah we can say the relief parents. on your face and the joy yeah. in your voice so yeah we can we, we <laughs> that one <laughs> the, the relief i think the relief i think you and other parents are probably having right yeah. now school school's ending oh i can't imagine <laughs> it's, i can't imagine what that's like like oh gosh, like because my, my mom my mom was a teacher for many years, so I'm like oh lord, oh. I can't I I can't imagine what these parents are going through. She told it me is, it is, and I mean I love my children. I love being a mom. That's like my favorite role in the whole world. But it is very. It felt like every day was an argument, and it was I didn't understand some of the things that they were doing, and I didn't know how to explain it to them. And I mean, bless their teachers, they didn't sign up for that either, right? So they're used to being right. in the classroom, just. It was just a challenge. I know we've never been through anything like this before, so we were all kind of dealing at the same time. But it's stressful on the kids. It was stressful at home. And then, you know, trying to work and teach school and make sure that, you know, and then grocery shop. And, oh, I mean, this is the weirdest thing. I mean, it still is weird that I'm working from home. But, like, I would be writing a show for the news or a package, helping my kids and then folding laundry and then going on camera. And then, I mean, it's just, like, all the things. It was <laughs> Like just even today, like I'm emptying the dishwasher and then I'm writing the show for five o'clock. I mean, it's just so, it's just a different, it's just different. It's, 
it is just a lot. So that's just real life. But everybody's in it, and we're all in it together. Right. Yeah. It, we are. Uh, yeah, it couldn't be well said. Uh, let's start with baseball. Hopefully you can uh, help out the players' union and the owners. <laughs> because we've been saying on this show for the last few weeks, um, uh, there's enough blame to go around, but the owners yeah. have a 60-game proposal with a 100% Salary, uh, pro salary rate for the players. The Players Association came back with 70 games uh, in a full salary rate of um, 100% salary rate. Uh, we've been saying this on the show for the last few weeks. Can you stop fighting like five year old kids in front of the cameras and the stuff behind closed doors? The next thing I want to hear from the player from the from the MLB is when is the opening day for baseball? When do the players report? And we can go on from there. Uh, maybe you can say it in a nicer way, Dion. I, I, <laughs> me and Lakin have been saying this for the last few weeks. I, they're not getting the message. Maybe you can help there, them out. <laughs> this I don't. I don't know if anybody can. I, I feel what's so. I'm so exhausted by the back and forth. And I love how the players' union last week said, "We're not doing. We're not going to dialogue with you anymore." What did they do in the middle of this week? They dialogued again. Like they threw it back in. Yeah. Like they're not even staying consistent. They're not staying consistent. They said when and where, which was like the best three words that they could have said. The union comes back with the when and where, and or I mean the the league comes back with the when and where, and then or at least, but they didn't explain like how they're going to get to this moment. I think Manfred has just fumbled this left and right. It's ugly. He's mm -hmm. the owners are pulling his strings. The players are trying to get what they can. Um, but it's just, it's embarrassing where it's to the point where they're losing. I, I am a baseball purist. This is my favorite sport. It's not, and it's not even close. I love the game. And right now I'm like, just get on the field. It's what's, what's frustrating to me is that with each day that passes, they're losing the time that will be safe. Um, you hear Dr. Fauci talk all the time, like playing into November and December is not wise for them. Like we could have another phase mm -hmm. of the, of the pandemic. And, and so they're, they're losing ground. And I feel like what they're trying to do is start putting things on the table for their collective bargaining agreement that will in however many months they're supposed to be renegotiating that. I feel like they're bringing mm -hmm. their emotions and what they would take into that negotiation into this one. And that's what's delaying the process. I mean, just get on the field. What frustrates me is we're hearing things like the Chicago dogs in independent baseball. They can figure it out. Yep. Why can't <laughs> the, the, the highest level of the game figure it out? I just, it just go, go by yourselves. Come to us when you say, okay, 65, I mean, here, 60 or 70 games. Let's do this. 65 games start July 19th and September 30th. Show us what it's going to look like. Just go. I don't, I, I'm, I, I, I'm at a loss I, and I'm frustrated and embarrassed for the game I love. It, it's sort of interesting, like you said, that Dan, about the game, because we've been, like, like Sid and I have been saying for the last few weeks, I mean, I, I can only imagine what White Sox fans, you know, who thought that maybe this was going to be like the season that they're going to yeah. break through. And then like the Cubs fans, you wonder, some some people thought that maybe they still had a chance to compete in the NL Central and all the and all this. So, but it's sort of like, okay, can we figure this out? I mean, we've said that if they don't figure this out by about like before the end of the month, they could kind of get lost in the shuffle like they did in the '94. The '94 strikes—that's going to be nothing. What do you think about that? No, totally agree with you. And once the other leagues come come back, as they're planning to it's going to make them look even worse, right? Like get yourselves together. Why? It, this is your season. This is your time. This is your, they already get lost in the shuffle. Once college football starts, the NFL yeah. starts, 
then, you know, NHL and NBA, like once, and they're going to be in their postseason and the, and major league baseball is going to be sitting on the sidelines complaining about things still. I, I just feel like they need to, they need to show that they, they appreciate the attention that they are getting. And this is their, this is their time. This is summer. This is when it's supposed to be baseball season. And instead we're watching an argument. Like it's just, it's not good. It's not good for the game. That is for sure. Dion Miller, the queen of ABC7 Chicago Sports, joins us right here on, on Second City Sports. You need Sports to stop alone. calling me that, Sydney, because I'm going to make, like, Mark and Jim t- treat me differently. <laughs> hey, that's the point. That's the point. That's the idea. <laughs> Dion Miller of ABC7 Chicago Sports joins us here on Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. Uh, Dion, as you mentioned about the other uh, sports returning, let's do that hockey. The Chicago Blackhawks, with all the turmoil they've been going through on and off the ice this year, they get a second chance of life with this 2014 tournament. Uh, as I've been saying for the last few weeks, the NHL, they can capitalize on potential new, uh, new fans right here because all their Canadian teams are involved in this. The Chicago Blackhawks are involved in this as well. You have the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders uh, involved in it as well as the number one, the, the two teams from the number one market. Uh, I'm not going to ask you if the Hawks have a chance to get to Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that's not the point here. But do you think that the NHL, with hopefully with the players at the uh, with the high competing level because of the nature of the playoffs, uh, do you think that the NHL has the chance to grab new fans and and hopefully the the, the popular teams in advance in, in this tournament? Absolutely, Sydney. I mean, we're sports fans are starving. We're starving mm-hmm. for live sporting events. And give, I mean, Batman gets booed left and right. But it give, him, so. give him credit for getting getting at least a. Oh. Interesting. I'm getting. Um, um, getting a plan set, getting things moving in the right direction for them. Now, when we talked to the Blackhawks last week, you know, Patrick Kane was the first one to say, "Hey, wait a minute." wait a minute, we don't have it all. It's not all going to go as smoothly as they're saying it is. Right. But again, I'm not seeing that the holdup like the rest of the league seem to, or at least like baseball seems to be having. Um, and then spoke with Duncan Keith last week and he says the same thing. He's like, I love how the NHL is throwing all these dates out there, but they, we haven't been told any of these things. So I think there's still a little bit of a hurdle to get over, but I agree with you that they're going to get so many eyeballs on them when they start moving, um, moving forward with this, it, it appears. Now, again, they need a when and where. They need a timeline and a hub city and all the things to unfold. But they're smart. They've got the biggest markets involved. They've got their Canadian teams involved, which is clearly going to get a lot of eyes on them. And you put the cup at the end of anything, the level of play jumps up exponentially, right? I mean, we've all seen it. That's why we love the hockey, why we love hockey playoffs. So um, I think that they can win a lot of new fans this way. And I think that's going to bode really well for the game moving forward, especially if they don't have to delay next season super long. Like they can pick up maybe a month or so after they finish this one and, and jump right back into hockey. Like you can keep the attention of fans for sure. Assume that everything finishes on time to complete in this season. But what I've heard for the last few weeks that, that they'll start the 2020-21 season in November. Of course, yeah. you know, the winter the Winter Olympics is next year. So, you know, the NHL and the, I, uh, and the uh, Olympic Committee, they're not seeing eye-to-eye. So no NHL players will participate in that. You'll skip the All-Star weekend and just play through it like a normal year. So assuming that everything finishes up for the 2020 season, 
2021 should fly by with no problem, no Olympics and no all-star break. Well, then that's, that would be a bonus. Then I think that even, even attributes to what you were talking about, about winning fans and then keeping the fans. I think that's what's going to be key. We're all going to watch, gosh, I'm going to watch the Belmont this weekend like I, like I never have before, right? Because we're just, <laughs> we just want to watch something competitive. Yeah. Um, so I think that once they get some fans get their eyes on this and see just how entertaining it can be, even with empty arenas, which is going to be interesting. But even with that, I think that we're going to, you're going to win the fans over and then be able to roll them right into next year. I think it's, it, it would work really well. Also the endurance aspect of it too. I mean, who, who's kind of have kept themselves in shape and who has actually let themselves go, especially with hockey, you're going to be you're going back and forth and not a lot of breaks. So that's going to be another key too, with the, especially with the playoffs, it's going to be a lot of intensity. Oh, no question about that. And I know that the guys, like when we talked to Duncan last week, he said he hasn't been on the ice since March 12th, their last game in San Jose. That's, and I said, is this the longest time that you haven't done that? He said, no, usually in the off season, he's only on the ice like seven or eight times. So they, they found ways to get their land work done to stay in shape. So it will be interesting because you're right. They drop that puck and it is go. I mean, there's no, and that's what we love about it is the intensity. So um, yeah, it'll, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. There will be rust on everybody, but, um, gosh, I can't wait until it's happening. <laughs> We're with you on there. That one, Deanna, let's move to the, the sport that you cover the most and that's football in the Chicago bears. Now we'll focus on what's happening off the field first. Uh, I know training camp is a little bit more than a month away. And of course there's no longer going to be in bourbon. It's going to be at Hallis Hall and the NFL and send out memos to all the teams that there are going to be no fans at the, at the training camp sites this year. Have you received a word from the Bears or the NFL how the media is going to uh, cover, cover, cover the team? Or are you guys going to do a Zoom style or is it going to be just a limited mile report to Hallis Hall? Have you had any word yet from the organization or the league yet? Absolutely none. And that is, is going to be fascinating because, you know, I think about how much space they have up in Lake Forest to do training camp there. And that's why they built it there is to do it there. I mean, that's what their plan was. Um, so there is space. I'm, I don't know. I don't know if they would do, we will probably not be in any locker rooms anytime soon, which to be frank, I, McKenna, you would understand this. It's, that's okay with me. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, uh, so, uh, that's, <laughs> I'll be okay. Um, I, I would I guess they'd bring them out and, and do interviews that way, but I don't know. Like they have that media room uh, where frankly, the, the players are six feet from us. We are on top of each other. Um, so I don't know if that would be how they'll uh, manage that. They may limit it. I know that in the news, on the news side of things, they've done more pool reporters when it comes to covering the governor's address every day and the mayor and that sort of thing, where they've had one reporter go in and ask mm -hmm. the questions and then it comes back to everybody else. So I don't know if they would do it that way. We've heard nothing. And talking to Chuck Pagano yesterday, he said, as far as we know, July 20th, that's what we're still planning on for report day for training camp. So how that looks media wise, I'm, I'm not sure how they'll handle that. Um, they will have to limit it. You know that. So we'll see what happens. I, I know that this Zoom style has worked for what they've given us and how we've gotten to talk to players and coaches has worked very well. I also know that the Bears have their own network. So would they just set up their camera guy at the podium, we call in our questions and the feed goes out to everybody. I mean, that's a possibility too, especially for a training camp. And as we're just getting started before actual games start happening, if they happen, I mean, there's just so many questions. I think that's, 
that's what's hard about this time. There's just so many question marks that remain as to what what normal will look like when if and when that happens. My guess is they'll probably end up starting up with the Zoom style press conference, and like you say, looking right. like what they've been doing with the the Chicago's Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Governor Pritzker, and just have the the reporter there and just have you guys what you've been doing as the beat reports, just ask your questions via Zoom there yeah. now. Can things change? Sure, but I think that's what how they're going to start uh, start off because you, they don't want a lot of people there, as you well know. And number two, they're going to have players uh, trying to social distance, and they, it's going to be hard enough on them and the staff in that building. Yeah, totally, totally. And and some of the guys, you know, may not be comfortable um, being around us and being around people that are from the outside. And a lot of the coaches said they have zero concerns about their own health and safety, but you know, players have family that might be high risk or might be, you know, parents, mm -hmm. they might still be around a lot or what, you know, I mean, I feel like it needs to be their choice, what they're comfortable with. And same with reporters. What are we comfortable with? What are, what are, I haven't, like, I don't know if I said this to you guys, but I haven't been at the station in months. Like, I don't know what that even will feel like for me and how comfortable am I? I have small children and, you know, so mm -hmm. just, I think that to everybody has to kind of navigate that on their own and we need to respect how they feel about that. Well, after, especially after Dr. Fauci's comments from earlier this week saying that, well, it's a good luck playing doing the football season because unless everybody's going to be on a bubble, which is going to be hard because you got a whole lot of players and media and stuff. So what is, I don't, I know you probably are still like you're wrapping your, your mind around it too, like the rest of us. How do you think that, that the football season is going to kind of play out, especially in this uncertain time? Well, I can't imagine fans being allowed anywhere near uh, say college or pro. Um, I can't imagine fans being in the stands, which is hard to imagine as well, right? Like playing a game with no, will they pump in? I would assume they pump in crowd noise like they do for practice, right? Like that's what I would, mm -hmm. I would assume. Um, I, I can't imagine that. I, I can see somewhat of a bubble, but you're right with 32 teams and all the players and how, how do you do that? That's way more than the NBA can do, right? The NBA is smaller teams. It's what they limiting to 17 people per team. And yeah. you can, you can kind of quarantine that per hotel and per stay, place to stay. And, and the space they need for playing games is much smaller than a football field. So right. how do you, how do you make that work in a bubble situation? I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I don't even know how you'd begin to do that. I think a little bit about MLS and their fields are roughly the same size. And some of those facilities, I know, like the fire have a bubble that they practice in. So would it look like that? Would it, is that how they would play football games? Um, and then I think, is it worth that risk? I don't know if they think that it will be. And so there's just too much there. I don't know how, how that could even happen. I really don't. And, and yet I want to stay optimistic but I don't want to be foolishly optimistic, you know? And I don't think the league does either. And um, Dr. Fauci, was on the Dan, Dan Patrick show this week, and he was talking about how he's been speaking with commissioners. Like they will call him and ask questions because they want to know what's going on. And, and so they're, they're trying to rely on the medical professionals who know the best routes to take when it comes to this stuff. And so we'll just have to be patient and see. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you with, on that, Dion. And we've been talking about it on the show for the last week or so that it, uh, of course, Baltimore head coach uh, John Harbaugh said that, you know, with the safety protocols, of course, things had to get ironed out. But how can you really practice social distancing to an extent on the practice field, especially with the offensive and defensive puddles? You, you know, every, 
all the players had to be grouped together. They can't really be separated. Of course, when, uh, when the ball is hyped, it, you know, they're tackling each other. They're on top of each other. There's no social distancing. So I, like you said, how this is going to work, I don't know. You, you're just going to have to take your chances. Uh, Sydney, the Bears can't social distance in the tight end room, let alone. Uh, <laughs> so there is, I mean, this is, yes, this is the challenge. It's, it's almost impossible to expect that to happen. And then you have to just remember, I, I was talking with some girlfriends this morning that about school in the fall, and they're like, well, we just have to understand that these are the risks we're taking when we decide to go to the grocery store, when we decide to send our kids to school, when we decide to play football, these are the risks that you're taking. And again, it goes back to how comfortable are the athletes, how comfortable are the coaches, and how comfortable are those like us in the media who are covering them and, and how, what, what that looks like, you know, until there's a vaccine and we all can feel a little, have a little bit more assurance that we have protection. This is gonna be very interesting because I'm sure, you know, you're in those close quarters and the locker rooms and such, Dion. And I, I remember Kim Jones from NFL Network say that, well, good luck, because that's going to be hard to do, especially with some of those stadiums. So do you think you're going to be running around the sidelines or are you going to be able to kind of like, what, what's going to, what do you think it's going to be? It's, it's, it's going to be like for you. I don't know. I feel like it's changed how we will do our jobs maybe forever, maybe just until there's a vaccine. I'm not sure. But I mean, think about you guys. I mean, you guys know what it looks like in a locker room scrum. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally, and I'm, because I'm a petite person, I will literally crawl just shy of crawling through somebody's <laughs> legs, like underneath. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm not kidding. Like, and people are always like, whoa, where'd you come from? And that's how on top of each other that we are. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so even, even, as, as a pregnant person doing my job, I would be like people, you know, you're, uh, you're crushing on top of each other. I don't know how you, good luck with that is exactly how if we're not in a locker room, that certainly helps. You can tape things off and we can stand back, but there is a sort of, um, I guess much more of a candid intimacy when you're close like that. And when you're just asking the questions and not from a distance and not over zoom, there's, there's something that, that sometimes players will be able to let their down. Now, maybe that will change if, now that we've gotten so comfortable Zooms and, and how we talk to people who are in your, each other's homes. Maybe they'll be able to share. They'll, they'll be more comfortable with us. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just, I, again, it's just so much unknown. I guess that's what's our, everything is speculation right now. Dion mm -hmm. Miller, ABC7 Chicago Sports, joining us here on Sega City Sports. Zoom style. Dion, let's transition to college football. And I know you said that, that uh, college football in the NFL, your predictions, they, won't, they will uh, start with no fans. I've been saying on this program for the last few weeks, I think college football in the NFL, unless something dramatic happens, both of those uh, leagues will start on time. But I think for college football, since they start first on August 29th, uh, presumably everything going, goes according to plan. I think you'll see some fans in the stands, but it won't be at full capacity. Like the school you went to, Ohio State, they hold 80,000 people at the horseshoe. Oh, you're not going to see 80,000 oh, people. Oh, no, you not, that's quarter, not happening. Quarter that, uh, at the big house in Michigan, they hold 110,000 people. You're not going to see 110,000 people. You may see half of them, maybe a quarter of that. Uh, as you well know, uh, tailgating right before a game is an event in itself, and you know social right. distancing will go uh, right out the window. My question, my long-winded, now short question to you is: Do you think that college football will start on time, especially if they allow some fans in, in, in the stands uh, due to various states? 
I'm not sure. Well, first of all, I don't mean to correct you. I am a diehard Ohio State fan. Did not go to school there. I just okay. grew up. Thanks for the correction. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't claim to be an alum, although a pseudo alum. Okay. Say. Here's what I was saying. <laughs> college football. I think college football took a huge hit this week with yeah. so players testing positive at Texas, mm-hmm. at Tech, at Alabama. Um, it, you're they what on Monday is when they were allowed to do these voluntary workouts at Texas, and 13 players have tested positive, like in four days, in four days. So I feel like college football is going to have to take their foot off the gas a little bit, and I'm sorry to Pat Fitzgerald and Lovey Smith, and they're trying to do it as safely as they can here in Illinois and Chicago. Like, let's, let's be smart about this. And I know young people probably think that they're invincible and it won't, it won't be, and, and maybe they, and they will, most of them will recover if they come, if they come down with COVID-19. Um, we need to put a protection around them. These are our young people and this is their futures and they need to make sure that they are staying as safe as possible. So I think things will get pushed back with college football. Um, especially if, unless, unless we see a, a vaccine start to come to fruition, which I don't think is going to happen for at least another year, or we start to see different ways to protect themselves and to keep the kids safe um, in those capacities. I do think college football will start a little bit later. I think their season will be a little bit shorter. Um, let's be real. Do they need those non-conference games? Do, do we need to see Ohio State <laughs> like a, a a bad team from wherever like do we need Appalachian State to upset Michigan do we need those things no because what we care (laughs) conference schedule right so Mm -hmm. so do they need those four games maybe not maybe maybe they start in October maybe they just do conference games maybe they uh, you know like there's there's different options I feel like they could have um but no fans and not starting on time would not surprise me yeah that no I mean pumping up crowd noise maybe they may have to do that so yeah yeah, I mean, the, and college is good. Like we were saying for the last few weeks, that college is going to be very tricky because, like you said, Dion, more and more players are, be- are testing positive. I don't know what can they do. This is going to be – I don't think it's they wants to kind of, like, let the schools and the, the conferences decide what they want to do, but I think there needs to be kind of like a universal, like, okay, some schools will be able to do it, some schools aren't, and I, think, I just don't think that's going to be fair. Well, I think that's the hardest part, right, is that every state is different. Like – you go to Lincoln, Nebraska, and it's like normal life. I mean, they're not, you know what I mean? They're not even wearing masks. They're not even required to. Whereas then you go out to like Connecticut or New York, and they're still in phase one or two. Like it's, it's you, that you can't level that playing field right now because there's so much unknown and there's so many question marks and every state is different. And so how can the NCAA really regulate when it's different at every state? So there's just a lot of pressure on them. And, and here we are so starved for sports that we're all like, just go back on the field. Like, you just give us something. And, and yet we, mm-hmm. we can't, you can't really say that. We can't do that right now. Dion, let's go to the Harvard right now. Let's focus in on, yes, the Chicago Bulls. So, of course, they had a lot of changes <laughs> since this pause of the 2020 season. You have a new GM, Mark Eversley. You have a new team president. But there's reports out saying that uh, – they, they, they're not getting the full backing. And, and head coach Jim Borland, as of now, still has his job. Do you think that this um, new administration will be allowed to do what they need to do, whether they fire Jim Borland or not? I do. I really do. I think that uh, Garpax was so control not controlled, that's not the right word, but I feel like they were, um, yeah, maybe that is the word, controlled for a very long time and told what they'll do when they do it. 
Fred Hoiberg was our head coach. Okay. I, that was not, and Tom Thibodeau was fired. It, it, it even just to say that seems bizarre. Um, and, and yet I, I feel like they were kind of just the mouthpiece for so long that it was time for something new. And I really think that AK is going to get to have his say. I really think that Eversley's going to get to have his control too. I'm a Jim Boylan fan. I like him as a person. I don't think he's supposed to be their head coach. Um, and I think that the, the wisdom they've brought into the room is going to notice that too. Now, will he stay on in some other capacity? Perhaps. I think that with the bumps and bruises and the ups and downs they had last season, that he did earn some respect from the players. And um, although it was a disaster on the court, I don't think it was that ugly off of it. And, and so we'll see what that ends up looking like. But I do think, I do think they're going to have their say as – the new administration and they're going to be able to make the calls the way that they want to. I, I think we saw that in already in, in hiring Eversley that AK got to hire the guy he wanted and got to bring in the assistants that he wanted to be assistants to the GM and, and voices that he, um, he knows will echo the things that he feels and the way they ran things in Denver. We talked to their sideline reporter and she was telling us like they had equal, everybody spoke in that, in that office and the way they mm -hmm. ran the front office and the way they drafted and, built the nuggets like that's what he's trying to do here in Chicago he was hired for a reason and this is it to build the front office and and the staff that he thinks will help the Bulls be what they once were and watching the last dance was eye-opening right like how far yeah. are they from that from what that was like and and being that team like they just seem so far away like thank god they over this um quarantine that they've really taken the next steps to rebuilding I, I think it's so funny i know you guys saw it at the end of it it was like and then they began a rebuild and it's yeah. like yeah <laughs> it's still <laughs> happening still laying the bricks right like so um hopefully this is a corner that they turned it's better for the game for chicago to be in it you guys you know this yep oh, and yeah. get a good coach in here who's going to help develop the players the way that they need it um and young because they have young talent and gosh, I couldn't be a bigger fan of Zach Levine, right? Like I want him to be the star and I want them to take that next step. And, you know, I, I think they're going to get to bring in the right, the right voices to make it happen in the room. Speaking of, of Jim Boyle, assuming that he's let go, uh, what type of coach do you think fits his team? I know there's been names out there like Kenny Atkinson, who, who was let go mm -hmm. by the Nets, uh, David Vista, who was let go early now in the season by the, this season by the New York Knicks. And Adrian Griffin, who was a former Bulls player and former Bulls assistant coach at one and time. Forward, and former teammate of AKs at Seton Hall, too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. His, yeah, his name's floated out there. What type of coach you like to see coach this young Bulls team? Well, I think it needs to be different than the last two, right? So I feel like Fred Hoiberg wasn't, wasn't as um, whistleblowing and, and calling, like, and, and getting their attention the way that, that Boylan. Then I feel like Boylan was the other end of the extreme, right? So it was right. either – it was either someone who was kind of like passive or it was somebody who was losing his mind. You know what I mean? Like yelling and that sort of thing. <laughs> we, have a, we have a guest. Uh -huh. um, and so I feel like they, <laughs> Hello. this is my daughter, Noah. Hi, Noah. Hey, Noah. Hi, Noah. <laughs> um, anyway, I feel like we need uh, a coach that is going to be somewhere in the middle. That's going to get their attention and have their respect. I think having somebody who has played 
in the league is a big deal. I think that um, somebody who can relate to them at their level, what age ages they are, because there are this is a young team, and I think they need somebody who can relate on that and and meet them where they're at, and then push them and develop. I think they need a coach that can develop them. And you mentioned how many connections AK has. His roots in this league are very very deep, and he's so well respected. He's going to get somebody in here who speaks the way that he does, right? Like that's that says that is following. It's not just going to be lip service when the GM speaks. Uh, it's going to be that that the coach echoes that on the floor and with the team, and that's what I think they need. Yeah, you brought up the last dance documentary. We we all been uh, in it, were entertained by that for, for the uh, previous weeks. So of course, me and Lakina were born and raised in Chicago. We're we are of age, so we won't give our real ages here. But uh, we grew, we grew up in in a in a time where the Bulls were bad. We we started to see the uh, the ascendance of the franchise. Of course, Michael Jordan and all the other pieces that came along later. What did you think about the Last Dance documentary? Wasn't it wonderful? Wasn't it wonderful? Yeah, it, was. Yeah. it was such a gift, and they did such a great job. I could not be a bigger fan of Jason Hare, who did the who was the director. Um, he did such tremendous work and, and really gave it, um, I think a really complete look. Uh, I wish they had done one episode a week and not two so that it would still be going on. Um, I was sad when it was done. I wanted more. Uh, I, I was such a fan of the, of the bulls in the nineties. I think everybody was, I had the, you know, the Wheaties box posters in my college dorm room. That might be revealing my age as well. Um, but I... 26, Dion, so yeah, it's say, good. Yeah, I'll say you're 26. Yeah, right. Oh, that's... Of course I am. Um, and <laughs> that, uh, so uh, did I say college? I meant my preschool dorm rooms. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Um, no, I, I was a huge fan and I felt like the music, the the video, it just took you back. I mean, it was so fantastic and so well done. And what was interesting was I didn't realize, I, mean, I don't think anybody did, what a mess was going on behind the scenes right. um, when Jordan came back. Uh, I don't think anybody realized that. It was interesting to me too, because I was in Florida when he was uh, with the White Sox and that was my hometown. I mean, they trained right down the street from where I lived. And I remember when Michael Jordan was driving around Sarasota, Florida, and we would, I mean, people would think, oh, that's, he's in that car. And people would get out of the car and follow the red <laughs> car down the street. I mean, we did that stuff. And it was just, um, it was interesting just how, much of a mess was going on behind the scenes. And I was, I was bummed that we didn't get um, more voices from the leadership. I liked hearing from Jerry Reinsdorf just because it's so rare that we hear from him. But, mm -hmm. and why can I not, you guys, this is embarrassing. What's his name? He passed away. I can't even. Well, Jerry you know. Thank you. Holy Lord, Dion. Um, <laughs> Jerry Krause, that would have been, that would have been really cool. Heard yeah. from him and looking back um I did I love how competitive the guys are that here we are 22 years later and they're still not over it with Isaiah and the Pistons and they're still not, they're still mad about <laughs> Reggie Miller and the Pace like I love that stuff I feel like the the game has changed so much since then and um it was just it was a gift to us during a time when we all really, really needed it. And I think glaringly is how, how well done it was. It was glaring then when you watched Long Gone Summer, and I felt like it just wasn't quite there, right? It wasn't quite the same 
as the last dance and they've had equal amount of time to put something together like that right yeah yeah uh, uh, i've been saying this to uh, to get to our previous guests on the show for the last few weeks the um about the last dance and, and i'll say it to you going to those games with my late mother she and her family friend has season tickets to those games at old chicago stadium let me tell people who are who are listening right now those bulls pistons games were big <laughs> events and they were bloodbath quote oh, yeah. unquote those were major events and there was some great basketball being played and of course uh, it, what kept it off for me was 1991 no one expected yeah. it but the bulls finally got rid of the pistons swept them in four games and especially after, despite what happened in game four on that Memorial Day in 1991, it, it was just great to see it uh, coming up uh, during that time. Oh, I can't even imagine what it was like to be here. And that's one thing I said, like, I have, I have seen two Stanley Cup championships. I have seen the Cubs win the World Series. I have uh, seen, uh, I have not seen a Bears playoff game. Well, we saw one play, sort of playoff game. Let's not even count that. Um, but I have <laughs> postseason and, and competing for a Super Bowl. I cannot imagine what it was like to year in and year out cover a team that was expected that expected to win and then did it. Like right. to be a to be covering a dynasty. It was so cool to hear from Mark Greco and Jim Rose about living that. I mean Jim was there. He was yeah. at every game. Mm -hmm. Like it was so cool to hear from behind the scenes. Same with like my producers and photographers who were there. I just can't, I, I want that in my lifetime because it was so cool to see it unfold like that. Was I just can't imagine what it was like to grow up here and, and see it happen that way. I grew up a Browns fan, you guys. Oh my Lord. Um, yeah. You have our sympathies. <laughs> so yeah. um, that, that, that wasn't real life for me, but um, how cool, how cool to have lived that, to have been at those games, to have those memories, Sydney, like how cool is that? I just, it's, I want that, I want that for my children, right? Yeah. Well, and yeah. also, what also with the uh, goal with the aspect of the Bulls, I mean, DePaul, before the Bulls became like this big phenomenon, they were mm -hmm. sort of like, we were saying the last couple of weeks, Sid, I mean, we've been saying that DePaul was like the, like, you know, the big phenomenon back in the early, like mm -hmm. the late 70s, early 80s yeah. and stuff, you know, they had a little bit of research in the 90s and in the early 2000s, but Gina DePonzetto, you know, announced her retirement from DePaul being the AD. So what do you think DePaul has to do to kind of get back into that level? Because they got the well, school president there and, you know, what do you think they got to do? I know. I mean, I, I like Dave Lato. I was surprised when he came, that they brought him back. I was surprised. And, and I was also surprised that they started the season 12 and one and then won like two more games. I mean, like there's some things being <laughs> lost in translation there. And, and you're right. We are, our city is hungry for that. And there, there are, some talented kids here that should stay here and have a place to play good competitive, consistently competitive college basketball. And DePaul is that spot, right? I mean, Loyola's had their moments, but it's not the same. It's not the same. They don't have the depth of the following like you just mentioned with DePaul. And and so what what do they need? I, I, oh gosh, I mean, they need to, they need some consistency with, um, with their players and what they're able to do. I mean, they've had some good guys and then they move on. Like Paul Reed was great for them, but you know, he's ready. He's ready to go to the next level. And they, I, they need, I don't know. I, I, maybe a fresh voice as athletic director will be it. I'm a huge fan of Jean though. I like her a lot and have always been a big fan of her and what she's done for women's athletics at the, at that highest level. And, and as a role model in a job that is mostly men like that, it means something, you know? So It'll be interesting to see what happens um, from there. 
Yeah, Stuff. Dion Miller. Okay, Dion Miller of ABC Seven Chicago Sports joining us right here on Sega City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. Uh, Dion, of course, we all know that um, we had the tragic event, uh, the tragic murder of George Floyd from a couple weeks ago. Of course, all the four pro sports leagues and most of the college teams have expressed their concern of uh, racial injustice, and of course, everybody's been putting out statements and informing these coalitions. What do you think about the social activist, uh, activism among not just black athletes, but white athletes as well, jo join the, um, the cause and trying to uh, find a solution? It's, import society. it's important conversations, guys. Like, these are important things that we have not uh, talked, we don't talk about. And um, I don't think we realized that we weren't talking about them until this moment. And, um, you know, our... I don't know that all protesting has been done intelligently by some white young people who've just gotten involved. I, I don't know that they've really understood what their, um, uh, they haven't understood things. I think it was, it was obvious to me when like Drew Brees and his wife were so um, backpedaling on some of the things that they had said and said, I didn't understand before. And I, I think that that has what has been so eye-opening for um, white America is that these are people thought that they were oh he's kneeling because he's mad at the police no or doesn't respect our country that wasn't what it was about I think hearing Robert Quinn from the Bears and Akeem Hicks oh my goodness like just it was wow it, it just it to me it was it was sad that we can't hug each other right now but I feel like that's what I wanted to do I feel like we we needed to bridge that gap with those conversations. And it's been very, very important. And, and I've liked hearing some of the coaches say, absolutely, I will kneel with my players. It's not about the flag. It's about, this is a conversation we need to have. Those lives, of course, this is the one thing that's been hard for me is people are like, well, all lives matter. Well, yes, of course, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're, this is this situation where we're gonna say black lives matter. And we're gonna stand together and say, Let's, let's pay attention to our brothers and sisters here. Like, let's not ignore this because it, it's an uncomfortable conversation or it's something we don't want to talk about or we haven't talked about. Let's, let's step up and change that dialogue. And, and I think that it's been impressive to see um, athletes across the board say that. These are my teammates. These are my friends. This is, this is my community. And I'm going to stand with them right now. And I, I think that's been very powerful and important lessons for all ages. I think about Lisa Akeem Hicks. I can only imagine what that was like for him because I know that at first he didn't want to really be sort of open about it, but he did become very open. Are you finding that doing these Zoom means that the players and coaches are becoming more forthright within reason? With more yeah, of a connection? Absolutely. absolutely. I think that they are. They're feeling um, that they, ha they can speak out more. Um, you know, Akeem has said that. He's like, I didn't feel comfortable taking a knee because I thought my job was on the line. And and some of the some of the guys were like, it was my rookie year, and I was new, and I didn't know if it was okay if I if I stood for this or not. And you know, and then and it's not and to me, like I have very very good friends who are policemen, and I'm not. I don't hate the police. Like you know, we're not. That's not what again. What I say that that's not what it's about. And I think that that needs to be relayed and and made very clear. But I do feel like it's opening that door for athletes to say how they really feel. And I loved that Akeem said when he went into that meeting with the Bears, he was skeptical. He's like, oh, great. This is just for like, you know, just for show. And it wasn't. It was real and it was authentic and it was um, what was needed. And I think we're seeing that from a lot of teams and um, from a lot of sports figures. And 
as much as we look up to them as role models and they, they don't necessarily want to be put on that pedestal, they are, they speak and people listen. And I, I think it's been, it's been good. I, I really do. I think it, it can spark a change across the board. Uh, getting back to the Bears on the field, Dion, uh, as Lakina brought up uh, one of the names earlier, they picked up Robert Quinn uh, during the offseason. Uh, they drafted tight end Cole Clement uh, out of North, Notre Dame. Uh, what, what did you think about the moves of, for the Bears this offseason? And we'll get to this in a sec, but just to put it out there, they did trade for Nick Falls, in which Mitchell Trubisky was uh, <laughs> kicked off to keep it clean for our broadcast. <laughs> Let's keep it clean. Um, I'm going to mention the draft. I think that for the first time, um, Ryan Pace didn't reach. He kind of took the right players at the right time. Um, he didn't, it wasn't, we didn't walk away going, North Carolina A&T, really? Like, that's where you found somebody? Like, it, we didn't say those things this year, right? It was mm -hmm. much more streamlined across the board, made smart choices that everybody – I mean, for getting Cole Komet and then Jalen Johnson, it Ooh, both were thought to be first-round picks. I think that was – you know what I mean? Like, so I feel mm -hmm. like we didn't have a first-round pick. We got first-round talent. That's pretty good. Um, so that was – I felt like that – I felt good about the draft and the guys that they brought in. Um, uh, as far as some of the offseason moves, Robert Quinn is brilliant because he is not only great off the field, but he's going to be that second uh, attention grabber on the defense that you have to pay attention to him and Khalil Mack. And it's and that is going to be what Leonard Floyd didn't bring, right, for however many years, he, for three or four years that he was here. So, so that is really great. And I'm a big Robert Quinn fan on and off the field. So that I feel really good about that and who they brought in the room. As far as Nick Foles, I think that it's his job. Um, uh, I don't know. Mitch said all the right things last week. He said all the right things, but he's, he can say all that he wants to. It's going to come down to what he does on the field. And right now, virtual progress is not what they're looking for. They're not looking for Zoom meeting progress. They're looking for a quarterback who's going to lead them on the field and be the reason they win games. He is not the reason they win games. Um, he's been the reason they've lost games, but he's not the reason they win games. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see what happens. I can't wait until they're able to get on the field so we can actually see how this quarterback competition unfolds. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'm a big Nick Foles fan too, as a person on the field and off the same with Mitch. Like I've always been a fan of who Mitch is. Um, and he is, he does have leadership there. I mean, we, we talked to DiFilippo and he says he's got that, um, command off the field. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> she's still the, saying, still the show <laughs> she's still yeah, in the yeah. show so I've been saying on, on this show for the last few weeks I thought they should have picked up Cam Newton but we, we said to our audience that the Bears has been known as the organization to play things safe and they mm -hmm. did that to the, to the textbook degree picking up Nick Foles you want to give Mitchell Trubisky competition but you don't want to uh, scare quote unquote scare her too much they he loses confidence and he loses his job right before this season starts. I think right. even though Cam Newton has the foot problem, assuming that he's healed right now, he's better than Mitchell Trubisky. Me personally, I do want Trubisky to succeed. That was actually one of the few people that said out loud that Mario Pace made a great move to go get him. That's your guy. You're going to do whatever it takes to go get him. Now, we've seen success for Trubisky here and there, especially two years ago when they made the playoffs, even though they was riding that high wave of the defense. But I think that Cam Newton is better than Trubisky, but I, I understood why the Bears did what they did and pick up Nick Foles because, one, he's cheap, and, number two, 
you don't want to you want to find out if Trubisky is the right. guy first, especially now not picking up that fifth year option. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're exactly right. They played it safe. They brought in somebody who wasn't going to mess with his head too much because what have we learned about Mitch Trubisky? He gets in his head a lot and he gets yeah. thrown off because he's in his head. And so that's what they needed to do is to bring somebody in that's competition, but isn't going to, like you said, scare, scares the, I don't know if that's the right word, but just kind of mm -hmm. like the, he's not looking over his shoulder because he remains plan A. It's better for the Bears if right. he becomes the quarterback that they drafted him to be. That's better for the Bears all the way around. But that, it hasn't happened. Why didn't they, that's why they didn't pick up his option, you know? So they can like him all they want. They like who he is. They want him to succeed. He has to be able to do it on the field, and we are still waiting. Yeah, I, was, I've always felt that they should have picked Deshaun Watson, but again, that's just, I ain't trying to be petty here. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's, that's just me. But uh, do you think there's going to be like a big, like, terms of win differential between Trubisky and Foles? You know, sh should it maybe if the Bears have a bad start, they bring Foles in or vice versa? Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. I think that they're going to start with Mitch, see what, it, again, provided the season starts on time, but they're going to start with Mitch, see how he does. And then if he struggles, here comes, we have somebody it who can do the job and knows the offense and I think that was another reason they went Foles because he has relationship with Nagy and he knows you know what they're trying to do offensively it's not a huge learning curve for him and uh and he's mature and he's experienced and he has a Super Bowl ring I mean gosh you might not want to get in Mitch's head but that's intimidating and that's why he was upset right because they brought in some. Mm -hmm. so we'll see but I think that's exactly what's going to happen Dion Miller of ABC7 Chicago Sports is joining us right here on Sega City Sports Zoom so as we talk Bears and other fun topics. Dion, let's stay on the Bears for a minute and let's go to the offense. Uh, now second-year running back David Montgomery out of Iowa State. He had a good rookie year last year, but head coach Matt Nagy was kind of stubborn to incorporate the run game into the offense last year. We saw David Montgomery have his moments. I think he still has a lot to learn as far as playing the running back position. What do you expect out of him in year two? And do you think that head coach Matt Nagy will incorporate the running game more into the offense? I hope so. I think that that's, that's what makes the offense go is when you have more than you're doing, you know, you, you, you're more dynamic and you can use the running game. I think he has to take another step, but I think he's ready to. I really do. I think the offensive line, was an issue um, last year. We couldn't stay healthy, could not keep five consistent guys. Kyle Long was all over the place. And um, they just need, they need consistency up front. That's going to make a big difference. But yeah, I do. I think that Montgomery's going to take that next step and be the, the draft pick that they chose him to be. I really do. I think he has that talent and ability and can look a little bit more like what um, Nagy wants in a running back can can kind of reflect that a little bit and so obviously they didn't want Jordan Howard so they got the guy they mm -hmm. want and this is what they're hoping to build that running game around I liked what Juan Castillo talked about with the O-line and how that that obviously predicates the success of the running game so let's see let's see what happens but I do expect him to take another big step what about what about Allen Robinson I mean I think he's up for a big oh, contract do you think he do you think he'll have a even better season this year and do you think he'll get that payday. I do. I do. They love him. And he is loves being a bear. And he has been a really powerful um, voice in the locker room in the community. Um, so I think they want in his successes is good. His um, ability has been very impressive. And sorry, um, his ability. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Good life, you guys. Um, his, his ability has up there, his ability to be a number one top receiver has been there and that's been really powerful for them and, and important for them. I couldn't be a bigger fan again on and off the field. He's a lot of fun, but um, 
he's just a good person. But I, I do, I do think he's going to get his payday. I do. And speaking of head coach Matt Nagy, of course, he changed his entire offensive staff this all season. How important is year three for, for him? Because they finished the year at eight and eight last year. Let's be honest, it was seven and nine. Some people would say six and ten, but that's a whole other issue. How important is year number three for Matt Nagy? It's pretty big. It's pretty big. I mean, they've um, he now in, in his defense, he was given that quarterback, so that was not his choice. But this is his staff. You know, this is a group that has had relationships with him and that he has kind of been allowed to build. I think it's big for him. I think it's an even bigger year for Ryan Pace. Um, if Trubisky isn't that guy, I think the pressure really gets on the GM. I think they really before was a fluke. Um, I don't think eight and eight was a fluke. I think that this is where they are and he's learning on the job too. I, um, again, I mean, I like everybody. I think you guys are hearing that in my voice. I'm a huge fan. Of I have been for a long time. I, covered him when he was the arena quarterback in Columbus, Ohio. So I've known him. <laughs> he is, he's consistent. He's the same person. And, and that's the kind of coach that they need. You know, um, I, I like him. I think he's got a bright, bright future as a head coach and he's, he's doing good things with that group and, and the team really likes playing for him. Um, so, and he's got a reputation for that. So I do think it's a big year for him. Year three. I think it's even bigger for the GM. What about, the, what about the defense? Do you think they could get back to being that top 10 or top five defense that we've seen in the, a couple of years ago? I do. Something to prove. I mean, you hear Khalil Mack is working out like he's got something to prove. Same with Akeem Hicks. Akeem did not like being injured last year, not being able to be that guy on the field. And we saw how much they struggled up front when he wasn't. And I think, you know, to be totally frank, we got on that Khalil Mack bandwagon in 2018 and everybody was like, oh, he's so great. And he is great. He is great. But I think Akeem sat in the background and was like, you guys think it's all working without me? Come on now. And then <laughs> saw that it wasn't working without him. And so that's what his motivation is, too, to get back out on the field. He could not be hungrier to prove his value to the team. So um, and how valuable I think to fans, too, like how valuable Akeem Hicks is. And he he Pagano said like he he speaks and everybody listens, but his presence is so valuable up front in the trenches and what he can do. And so him being healthy will help the defense. I think that they've got good guys across the board into the secondary. Kyle Fuller really proved very, very valuable the last couple of years. And um, so, so yeah, I'm excited for to see what the defense can do. And Eddie Jackson, I mean, getting paid and, and earning, I mean, he earned it, he deserved it. And he's been really, really good too. So I'm excited to see how that unfolds and how this virtual not a traditional off season has has happened. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't realize we were going to talk this long. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, that's okay. We we're having a good time with you, Dion. That's what we would like about you. So don't don't <laughs> apologize that it's our honor, our pleasure to talk to you. So we love it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, this is fun. I love. We love. Oh, no, no, it's coming like her her Zoom debut, if you will. <laughs> I yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Go ahead, Sid. Okay, a couple more questions for Dion Miller. Uh, Dion, I, I'll, I'll follow you. Go to work, you guys. I'm sorry. I didn't oh, okay. realize. I'm so okay, that's okay. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. okay. You know what? We'll, we'll, jo you know, we'll, we'll do this again one more time. This has been such so much fun. Yeah. Thank you, Dion, for joining us. Uh, great insight on all topics covered. Uh, keep up the great work on ABC7 Chicago Sports. You are the queen of ABC7 Sports. Uh, Thank you so much once again for doing this for us. We'll have you again. Don't be a stranger Please. and much yes. continued success, okay? Yes. Okay, guys, thank you for understanding. And yes, let's please do it again. Absolutely. Bye, Noah. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye.
Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Take care. Take care. <laughs> that's right. a first. That, that's a first. We've had that's a first. Yeah. We've done this. Yeah. We had kids kids crash interview. I love it. <laughs> it we happens. Love kids, don't we? we love kids, we love yeah. kids don't we? <laughs> listen, listen, listen. She's a she's a she's a mother of two young kids. So yeah, we mm -hmm. understand. We, we we heard of her earlier. So yeah, this has this yeah. been a lot of fun, Sid. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask her about the. She was part of the uh, Gibbons 5K uh, virtual uh, yeah. uh, train uh, training uh, for charity this weekend. So you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at dmillerabc7. Once again, at dmillerabc7 for all the information. She's an avid runner and she d does marathons yeah. for charity, and she's really uh, great in the community. So. Uh, she's doing great things, and she will continue to do great things. And we like to thank her once again for her time. Yeah, well, definitely. Like I said we'll, before, we had her on the D and David show for years, and now we have her on this show in her Zoom debut. Uh, she was great. Now, like I said, we love the kids as well. So yeah, we love it. Oh yeah, no, no, was a, yeah, I'll say absolutely. No one, no one, no, almost stole. She, she stole the show. <laughs> she's a little exactly, cutie. Exactly. We didn't mind that at all. So no, we did. She's a little cutie. Listen, we, listen, we get see, it. Yeah, it's good to see family and um, and have um, uh, unity and togetherness, and that's who we've been preaching about for these last few weeks so uh it, it was great times uh, another great show in the books and uh, can't wait to do it again next week yeah listen we do listen we covered a lot with dion today so we'll mm -hmm. we'll have it up on uh that we are we radio we are regal radio's website you know you can listen to our our show our show's podcast on uh, Anchor, Spotify, basically anywhere where you get your po Google Podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcast. So you can always catch us if you miss a show. You can go through that. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to kind of do more of this for for our our own show for our end. You know, to kind of like maybe we can put the shows up for them. You know, on our Facebook page. We'll we'll still try to figure things out. Uh, hopefully, Jason will be back with us soon. I know he's been doing a lot of stuff. You know, family stuff. So we know. Listen, we know families, mm -hmm. of course. So he's got he got two young boys himself. Yes. So. I know he's been doing a lot of stuff there. That's why he's been able has been able to join us. But hopefully we'll have him on, have him back on with us soon. And listen, we're gonna have like try to get more people to come on to talk about you know sports and sports and race relations because this isn't this mm -hmm. isn't going away anytime soon. Yeah. Also, shout out one more time to Cam Smith of CN100 and Watch Stadium and MSG. I know he was supposed to join us today, but he had a family emergency, so we'll reschedule him in the in the coming weeks ahead. So shout out to him as well. He was supposed to join us today, but. We'll reschedule him in the coming weeks ahead. So shout out to him as well. Uh, one more time, thanks to DML, the queen of ABC7 Sports <laughs> Chicago, for joining us today and involving uh, one of her daughters as well. So and one of her kids as well, which had to be her daughter. So we we, we enjoy it. I can't complain. Now, one thing oh, about no. today, Lakina. I know she's one a... thing. So this no, is, no, this is what sweetheart. we do, what we do. We love what we do. And for moments like that, you just can't complain. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is like listen. This is this is life, you know, for all of us. Exactly. You know, Zoom minis, you know, in our home, you know, some of us who mm -hmm. have kids, you know, you have kids running yeah. around, and our spouses are running around, and such. Yeah. So yeah. So listen, we can't we can't hate. I mean, she she's a little cutie pie too, so we we can't really complain about her crashing the interview. Mm -hmm. This is sweetheart. So yeah. So uh, listen, you got you got golf going on. You got the Breeders' Cup, like Dion said earlier, going on tomorrow. So. Seems like sports is starting to kind of come back, you know, little by little. There, Sid. What are you expecting from the, for this next week? Uh, uh, the one question I wanted to ask you, like we did last in our last podcast, uh, will baseball have an official deal on the table? <laughs> I'm kind of afraid to answer that. I'm uh, afraid to answer that myself. But I, I, I just shake my head. I, I just do. 
I can just do the, do, but I don't know. I can just do the, I can do the shrugs, the shrugs. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, we thought we had something, but then it turns out, oh, we're back to where we started. So we just need, they just need to figure it out. I mean, cause like we've been saying, they're going to get lost in the show once all the other sports starts to come back. So listen, baseball better get it together. Cause it, it's not going to be good if they don't. Yeah, like you said, they'll be falling to falling to the wayside if they don't strike a deal soon. It's got to be a deadline here. But I think on that note, Lakina, uh, we got to go. We'll leave it the baseball situation with the Michael Jordan shrug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You did it better than I did if you watched well, the Well, listen, I, I think, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter, at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80, both on Twitter and Instagram. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can read all of my articles at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. As Lakina mentioned earlier, you can listen to our podcast along with the Dean Davis Show and Dean Davis The Flip and Josh Hicks with In The Scope. You can listen to all those beautiful programs on War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify and all of your podcast platforms. Search for War on Anchor to listen to all those fine programs as well. All right. So we're going to do it. Let's do it again next week, Sid. Yes, we're going to do it again. Hope we bring you on more interesting and intriguing guests to talk about the return of, uh, of sports and a whole lot more. All right. So for Sid, I'm Lakina. Also, happy Father's Day to all the fathers you know yeah. out there or father figures um yeah so this is your day too so try to maybe you know the restaurants open up a little bit so do, do something nice for the, the dad in your life yes see you next week Holla. all right see you peace <laughs>